This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Creating comic strips and visual stories require critical and abstract thinking. Creating stories that touch the heart requires empathy, simplicity and warmth. We caught up with a cartoonist and writer who juggles two professions or should I say passions and has been doing this for almost a decade now. Hi and welcome to Voice of Achievers with me Yashika. Today we sit down to decode visual storytelling, a career as a cartoonist and the basics of creative thinking among many other things. Our guest Ramya Shriram is a cartoonist and writer from India currently based in the UK. She's the creator of the Tap Comics through which she tells everyday stories through minimalist drawings and stick figures. An engineering graduate from Vellore Institute of Technology, Ramya carved her own niche as a content strategist and cartoonist. She's passionate about simplicity in visual storytelling and is an avid gardening, music and books enthusiast. Now she says that she cannot do without chai twice a day. So we thought we should do aaj ki chai pe charcha with Ramya and discover how she thinks and functions. Welcome to the show Ramya. Thanks so much Yashika. Thanks for having me here. my so ramya did the young engineering graduate always know that uh, she'd be a cartoonist no no not at all so the reason i was in vit in the first place is before that i wanted to be a doctor people warned me saying that you know you would have to give up art and music which i had dedicated many years of my life to and i said yeah yeah sure i'm going to do that but uh, somewhere along the way i realized that this just wasn't the right fit so you've been drawing since you were a child Yeah yeah definitely so okay. my mom's an artist yeah so she sent me to a lot of classes carving course and glass painting and all sorts of things so yeah i had a very like rich and colorful uh, childhood just before my 10th boards i went for this um, a beating heart surgery it was called so basically it was a surgeon performing this uh, this procedure and there were like science students from different schools who could go and watch the surgery being done so we were all in this hospital and you know he was like holding the heart like the human heart in his hand and he was like oh if you want to touch somebody's heart this is the way and i was like i totally oh, fell for that <laughs> yeah and i said yes yes i'm going to be a cardiac surgeon so i went straight overnight i went from you know wanting to be a designer when i was very sort of set that yes i'm going to you know be a designer and artist full time i went to like no i want to be a cardiac surgeon and then i sort of realized after one and a half years that this wasn't the path i wanted to take this was just infatuation <laughs> yeah yeah totally <laughs> so then i said theek hai so then the next big, the next option that took very attractive was biotech So I said, okay, biotech looks really good. You know, it seems to be the next big thing and all that. So somehow I ended up in VIT, uh, where four years spent a really good four years there. And at the end of it, again, I wasn't sure I wanted to pursue biotech because you know people were like, you have to go to the US or Germany, and I was interested in biofuels, and I really didn't want to go abroad at that point. So I said, okay, now 
all of my friends were giving CAT going the MBA route. And I said, this looks like a safe option. Chalo, let's do this because it looks like it solves all of my problems. I have an MBA degree and then you can do what you want. So I coached for MBA and all this is my doing. It wasn't like my parents said, do this or do that. It was me telling my parents, Ki, Chalo, I've decided this, I've decided that. I ended up going to Loyola in uh, Chennai. And I studied there for five weeks before I dropped out. Oh God, okay. So, um, so we, all of us had got campus placements back then. So I knew that eventually in six months, you know, XYZ software company is going to call me. The MBA was a sort of trial and error thing. So within a week, actually, I had decided that I'm having a lot of fun in Chennai, but I don't think two years of doing this accounts exams and stuff is really going to like, you know, push me or get me closer to what I wanted to do back then. And I landed a job in a publishing house in Hyderabad. It was a really, really cool role. So for five years, um, I was editing science books. The first couple of years, I was editing a lot of books on wildlife and, you know, conservation. So sometime at that point, I started to sort of make these little comic strips for friends, just as a joke, really. And they were like, you know, I was just giving it to them as gifts and birthdays and things like that. And then I started taking on commissions and that's sort of grown over the last 10 years into like what it is now. So that's been the evolution of the whole career path. And I, I always joke to people that I should be a career counselor because I've given like each and every entrance exam in India. I've done everything from engineering to medicine to NID to, um, you know, you name it. Even I even attempted bank PO at some point because my parents were so panicky. Ki, what do we do with this girl? So how do you deal with that when you're at that juncture and you're deciding there's that constant pressure from maybe parents, relatives, the society. Ultimately, what does she want to do? How do you deal with that sort of a space and bring back your confidence? I think um, heart of hearts, I always knew what I wanted to do. Uh, like I always knew I wanted to like draw and write for the rest of my life. Like I've been doing that since childhood and my parents encouraged me to um, get into design or get into like something literature based or they, they were quite open to options. Uh, but I know a lot of parents are very like, you know, no, engineering is the only way or, you know, doing medicine is the only way. And I think it's very difficult to deal with that kind of uh, pressure. And at the end of the day, I think you just have to be honest to yourself. Like if you know that you're good at something or if you know you're really passionate about something, I think it's worth going all out and, you know, life is quite short. Again, you say if you know what you want to do, how now? Yeah. How do you know what you want to do? Do you, do you try things out and uh, do you see if that's working out as a viable, sustainable career option? And do you yeah. keep a plan B? So I think it's important to try out different things. I got very lucky because uh, throughout my school life and throughout my childhood, I was so involved in multiple things. So I think getting this kind of exposure is important. If you're really confused about what you want to do or what you want to take up, I think it really helps to talk to people who have... Um, been through this. So for example, when I was in ninth or 10th uh, standard, I said, you know, I want to get into NID. And I spoke to like a neighbor who had just graduated from NID. I spoke to him about, you know, what are the job options like and what do you need to get into NID? I think it helps to talk to a lot of people, understand if there's a market out there, understand if, you know, if you are saying that, you know, I want to be 
uh, a specific kind of illustrator where you know there aren't going to be that many takers. So I think the career route, what you would take is completely different. Get a realistic picture of how it is, whether it's in India or outside, the kind of exams you have to take. What is the expectation from colleges? Can you meet that expectation? What kind of portfolio should you build? And should you start right away? Like I know a lot of artists nowadays just start taking up side projects when they're even in school or throughout their college years, what kind of projects to work on. So I think these things, talking to diverse people, getting different people's opinions can really help you sort of make up your mind. Interesting. What what role does education play, Ramya, in, in a creative career choice like this? I think uh, given the resources that are available today, I think to be an incredibly good illustrator, you have to spend a lot of time perfecting your craft. So the amount of time and energy that you devote to your craft, which is the same, but it's, you know, you want to be an illustrator, you want to be a musician. Uh, I think a lot of resources are available now that weren't available five years ago. But at the same time, I know that when I worked in um, roles, whether it's publishing, advertising, whatever, I saw a lot of jobs that said, you know, apply only if you're from NID or NIFT or, you know, IDC uh, Bombay. Yeah, and I used to find that really weird, you know, because it is extremely competitive. It's a lot, there are a lot of brilliant illustrators and artists out there who don't have this kind of educational uh, I hope. Does that reduce the, the, does that reduce the number of opportunities for uh, talented illustrators maybe? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think it definitely, I work with people with really amazing illustrators and graphic designers who didn't have a degree. And, you know, that's like one of the prerequisites for applying to a lot of jobs, especially in MNCs, where they say, you know, a three-year, four-year bachelor's is mandatory. That's non-negotiable. Is that still the case, Ramya? I mean... I don't know, actually. In in the last five years, I don't know how much it's changed over here. Six or seven years ago, I think I, it, it still was the case, you know, where people looked for a degree. And over and above that, a lot of people had specific qualifications that we need you to be from NID or we need you to be from a particular... Or Shishti or one of these, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, prestigious so-called prestigious uh, uh, design schools is there a way to combat that uh, Ramya how does one combat that if one hasn't really had the chance to be uh, be a part of an institute like that yet wants the opportunities that uh, they can get the best of it I think it helps to build a really strong portfolio uh, and by that I don't mean you have to get projects from uh, you know high profile clients but I've seen especially in advertising I've seen a lot of uh, artists sort of give themselves briefs so they reimagine some campaign that's already out there or they say that this company is having this kind of a problem that they want to solve and this is my solution this is what I suggest so it doesn't have to be uh, someone you worked for professionally and say you know Uh, XYZ company was my client. It can be something you've imagined for them. It can be giving yourself these exercises where you sort of prove to potential employers that I really am passionate about what I do and I've worked to get and I'm continuously working to get better at it. Let's let's talk about your uh, your drawing process. Where does Ramya begin when she's telling a visual story? Does she begin with a thought? Does she begin with an emotion? How, How does it begin for you? A lot of my comics are quite deeply personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I always, yeah, and I always begin with something I'm I'm quite, uh, you know, I feel quite strongly about. So a lot of the times I draw comics when I'm actually working through something myself. 
and I think many times the comic sort of represents the solution to me. So I arrive at the answer by sort of drawing it out, if that makes sense. Okay. I think it's like, you know, how you sort of detangle all these wires in your head. Mm -hmm. So for me, I see it as this entire like scrambled, jumbled mess in my head. And when I draw out the comic, it's like it represents some sort of clarity, some sort of step-by-step -step approach to sort of solving the, the problem or expressing something. And, and how much time would that take for you? It takes anywhere between a couple of hours. I've, I've sat on comics for like a few months. Really? So it really, yeah. So it really depends on how refined the ideas in my head. Like I usually wait till I reach a point where I'm sort of, firstly, where I feel it's clear enough for me to put out. And the second thing is, you know, whether this idea sort of needs to be cooked further or I feel like I'm okay with it going out. I'm sort of prepared to put it out in a, a public. I also think a lot of my comics are like brutally honest and that is something I still struggle with. So it's, you know, how much of yourself do you want to put out there? While your comics are uh, personal, like say an Amma series or uh, many other things around nature which you can see are very personal to you, there are also um, some comics that are very social in the yeah. sense that it, it feels like you want to share a social message but in a very yeah. simplistic format. How important is it for an artist to be or to awaken the society socially? Um, I think it depends on your personal sort of, uh, you know, sense of what you want to do. So a lot of artists um, use art as a way of therapy of working through something themselves. Mm -hmm. So it, I don't think it's a universal sort of message that I can give out saying that, you know, all artists have to have some sort of social message in their work or something like that. But what I think matters is honesty. Mm -hmm. So whether you want to talk about mental health or whether you want to talk about, uh, you know, people struggling with COVID or whether you want to play a role in, you know, um, talking about grief or talking about things that are quite difficult to talk about, especially through um, comics or whether you just want to do comics that focus on the more positive aspects. Uh, one thing that I think I find quite disturbing is people who work backwards so I see a lot of artists who, you know, go and say that I want to crack Instagram's algorithm because I want this many followers. Or you look at Twitter trending hashtags and you say that, oh, this hashtag is trending now. So I'm going to manipulate my work to fit into that trend. Mm -hmm. And I feel that this is like absolutely the worst thing that you can use to, that you can do to yourself because it's like the wrong kind of fuel and the wrong kind of uh, motivation is, is what I think. If you're honest and, you know, whether you want to do social message or whether you want to talk about your life experiences uh, whether you want to talk about conservation whatever it is I think it matters how honest you are to um, to yourself so and I think now there is a lot of scope for people to be activists I think there should be space for like debate and dissent as well politically or otherwise in art yeah now when you say yeah. that social media or the number of followers or the number of likes comments uh, engagement should not be your only motivation as an artist in a social media world that we are living in especially a virtual world that covid has sort of pushed us into how does one dissociate themselves from social media yet continue doing the work that they believe in how does one motivate themselves yeah i think it can be quite demotivating when you're starting out and you put up your work and you know nobody likes it yeah. <laughs> but, uh, then you're like oh you know what am I doing this for 
but then i think that's the key question you know what are you doing it for are you doing it for like thousand people to like your work in which case uh, to be honest it's fairly easy to crack the algorithm there are certain topics you can draw on and you know sort of lie to yourself and say i'm only going to do this because this is going to give me this many followers or you know you step back and you think about why am i doing this what's the purpose if the purpose is to get clients and network and things like that then obviously your way of thinking changes a bit so it doesn't matter how many followers or likes you get it matters how good your work with uh, your work is and you know how much your outreach is are you talking to like the right kind of clients you want to get on board again if you want to be an influencer you know then your main main goal is to get as many followers as you can and then i think your strategy changes a bit and i'm not sure whether you know if your art doesn't come from a place that is absolutely genuine I think it's likely to be short lived yeah. and that's an interesting uh, sort of a debate that you have brought out because there are so many artists who would do it for the external motivation versus so many of yeah. them who would actually do it for an internal motivation now for you uh, particularly ramya it's been a decade of drawing yeah how have yeah. you evolved as an artist as a cartoonist how does how has your drawing changed or your art process think, changed yeah i think it's changed a lot because i've changed so much as a person you know from like just graduating to like so many life experiences that have added to this uh, along the way i think 10 years ago i was definitely more sort of uh, spontaneous i was just sort of drawing just for fun i didn't think too much about what i was putting out i was just sort of having fun now i think there's a lot of thought that goes to each comic also because the topics have evolved over time mm-hmm. so right now whether you know it's me talking about someone going through a divorce or it's talking about a social message tonality has changed a bit and i think i've also learned to sort of be more honest with myself and be more open to putting out things that i might have avoided before um and the of course the constant challenge is how do you express something that's complex even if it's not complex to someone else there are still things that that feel quite difficult and intimidating yeah they could be complex they could be sensitive right exactly exactly and how do i express that without diluting the meaning of it or sort of you know reducing its intensity so i think that process has evolved a lot over time and it's something i'm still uh, working on yeah. there could be sensitive issues right and there could be perspectives yeah. of your audiences looking at something uh, sometimes yeah. you hurt your audience by yeah. not by intent but uh, yeah. just by chance how do you deal with that yeah. um so so far that hasn't happened okay uh, touch wood but it's also because a lot of my work is just mostly about life experiences there's no like right or wrong about it i you know it's like this is my experience and you know it's fine if you don't agree with the, with what i think but definitely if tomorrow if i were going to do like political comics or if i was going to have some sort of commentary on you know issues that there are likely to be more people who would agree or disagree with then it would be like a different uh, but that's an area i'm not getting into just yet like i think i'm happy working through my own like experiences and talking about uh, things that i feel quite strongly about the things that i'm going through you just mentioned that sometimes the comics are meant for you to see if you can get commissioned projects and if you can see you can make your art sustainable because that's what an artist yeah. would really want right how do you or how did you get your first yeah. commissioned project tell us about the first ever commissioned project how did you make your art sustainable like i said i was doing these comics for friends that i was putting up 
And the first commission that came in was from a friend's friend from school who wanted to gift her friend something. So it was basically, and I think I charged like 50 rupees for like a one panel thing. <laughs> and it's so hilarious when I look back at it. But it just sort of grew from there. So a lot of small projects I did just for fun. Like, you know, um, I was working full time. So there was no pressure of like, you know, paying bills or anything with something I was doing on the on the side as a hobby or for fun. So I really enjoyed myself like the initial few years. From that 50 rupees uh, commission, it became like 200. And then it became like 1000. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So <laughs> this was a long time ago, right? And I, the thing is, I also didn't take myself seriously back then. I was just like, you know, I'm really having fun with this. But eventually I started taking myself seriously. Um, I did comics for this uh, Mumbai-based magazine called Helter Skelter. But now when I look back at them, I cringe because, you know, I didn't have a drawing tablet. So it was all like crooked lines, thick, like horrible looking lines and everything. But I think that sort of gave me a platform to sort of uh, start thinking about what I wanted to do as an illustrator, as a cartoonist and what I wanted my art to stand for. And I think that's important as well. Like, it's important to think about where does your art fit in in this world like what are you standing for and why are you doing this you also spoke about this is not your uh, full-time job and it amazes me to know and learn that Ramya is through the day a content strategist for a science research organization and in the evening she's the artist who's who's expressing herself so freely how do you sort of manage that and is that manageable for because you've sustained it for a fairly long period i think for me i really sort of thrive within this kind of environment for them managing these two things so there was a point in between for two years when i freelanced and i only took up like freelance drawing or writing work for me it was just so much of a strain on my creative resources I sort of now separate the two. So I say that, you know, this my analytical brain or, you know, this side of my brain is reserved for work uh, where, you know, eight hours a day is dedicated to this kind of work. So I work for a platform where we connect uh, businesses to freelance scientists. So a lot of the reading that I do or the research or the writing that we do is based on scientific topics, whether it's biotech or data science and AI and all things like that. Um, and I think in some weird way, it helps me sort of conserve some of the creative energy for my own work, for the stories I want to see. So I think I sort of thrive in this kind of setup where, you know, a fixed amount is for a fixed, you know, uh, company where I do whatever work. And I really love what I do, which, which helps. You know, it's not like I hate my job and I'm thinking, oh, I want, to, I want to leave and do something else. I really love that aspect. And then there's drawing on the side. So it's sort of, I think both sort of feed into each other, like the creativity feeds into my day job as well. Uh, and the whole analytical and technical aspects of my day job feed into the, uh, you know, comics as well, possibly without me realizing it. And yet you'd be able to take up commission projects for your uh, cartoons while doing this. So then yeah. there are, wow, okay. Yeah, so I, I'm very limited now, like in the kind of uh, projects I take up. Uh -huh. So I only work with the... Um, I work with a lot of non-profits, I take up projects from entrepreneurs where I feel like, you know, their ideas are in sync with what I believe in or I feel like, you know, this is something that benefits society and usually it's also the ease of working with the smaller scale businesses where you just have one person to talk to, you're just talking to the founder and they are quite clear about what they're looking for and, you know, I'm quite clear about what I can deliver. For someone starting out as a cartoonist, as an illustrator, what are the top... Yeah two tools that you would suggest 
that they should be having for sure? In terms of tools, I think it really helps to work on vector software. So it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a very expensive paid package. It doesn't have to be, you know, something like Adobe Illustrator where you have to sort of pay every month. There are a lot of free and open source uh, tools out there. One of them is called Inkscape. Um, it's really good. It's absolutely free. It's um, a fantastic alternative to Illustrator. And I think it's it's brilliant to start out with to at least experiment till you're ready to sort of uh, commit to like a paid package. Um, the other thing is, I, I don't know whether it's, it's right to suggest this, but I, I definitely feel it helps to know to work with both a tablet and pen on paper. So I know some brilliant artists who work um, with traditional media but really struggle with sort of translating them into like a digital world. And the reason I say this is that if you want to do commissions, a lot of clients uh, are looking for digital work uh, and they are looking for vector files where they say, you know, we want to blow it up and put it on a banner or we want to print it on a t-shirt. Uh, so just sort of ident also depends on the kind of work you do and where you see your use cases going. So it need not be that you have to perfect a vector software if, if you're, um, style is something else. Like if you want to stick to doing uh, traditional media, if your uh, speciality is doing murals or painting on walls, then obviously your sort of, uh, the technical aspects would be different. It wouldn't be digital at all. So I think it really depends on the medium you're using and what you want to do with your work, what your clients are looking for if, if uh, you want to take up commissions. Even today, there would be a blend of uh, pen and paper and technology? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially in, uh, Things like illustrating for books or illustrating for children's books. There are so many artists who work with traditional media, right? And I and I personally know some amazing artists, but when it comes to scanning in high resolution and sort of transferring those drawings into like a digital format, there's a bit of a struggle over there. Uh, so just understanding like how well your work translates into like the digital medium and how you can sort of prepare for it helps a lot. Tell us about the top two skills and the top two yeah. innate characteristics that you feel uh, an illustrator or a cartoonist must have. Um, I think it helps to get the basics right. So whether it is uh, about posture or expression or whether it's about, and it's definitely something I have worked on over time because even though I went for a lot of art classes as a kid, uh, I noticed that especially when you're drawing stick figures, it has to be absolutely perfect in terms of posture, in terms of expression. Uh, so in that process of simplification, it becomes even more important to get the postures and everything right. So observation so, I would take. Exactly. So observing and figuring out, you know, whatever it is, whether you're drawing leaves or whether you're drawing people, you know, standing or sitting in an airport, I think it helps to sort of observe things around you and see how you can translate that onto paper. It doesn't have to be perfect. The second thing which I would say is just develop your own style. Uh, there are a lot of people, especially on social media, who are just sort of mimic, mimicking other artists or just do what feels right to you. Just do what feels genuine. Uh, it doesn't have to be amazing artwork, which is perfect in every way. Uh, maybe your imperfections are your USB, you know. So, yeah, I think it's just being honest to yourself and figuring out your own style. <laughs> Does one need to be crazy in order to be creative? Yeah, definitely. I think the way we think of creativity today, the way we define creativity is so limited. We always talk about creative people as people, you know, 
who are artists or musicians or actors or you know these kind of uh, medium uh, media but i think uh, you can be creative in your daily life uh, no matter what your profession so whether you're a cook or an i don't know like an electronics engineer or someone developing algorithms um, i think the madness comes from you know from sticking to a mission from finding a purpose that is so consuming and it doesn't have to be only art and i think when something becomes such a core part of you that you can't separate yourself from it uh, when you sort of do something without expecting anything from it whether it's likes or followers and when you want to get really really good at something in spite of nobody else caring so it can be that maybe you don't even have a social media presence but you're drawing every day and right. i think that kind of um, that kind of all consuming madness is absolutely necessary if you want to uh, really excel at something okay. uh, you know like sports people train relentlessly every day um, you need to be crazy to go and found a startup i also think it's some sort of survival mechanism like a little amount of madness is needed to survive <laughs> love that what are the two upcoming career opportunities for young illustrators cartoonists what is what are the things that they can look at i think definitely doing custom work so i think there are a lot of uh, not just businesses but also individuals who really treasure something that's custom made uh, i've done a lot of custom stories for wedding cards for gifts where you know people tell me i've done like these little comic booklets where people tell you the entire life stories and i'm like you know for 40th birthdays and things it's like 40 page book one page from each part um, um, year of your life so i think definitely people want something that's custom made that's entirely personalized and it can be anything so it can be that you figure out a way to do custom magnets or you figure out a way to do custom i don't know like t-shirts or bags or whatever but this is definitely something to um think about the other thing i think is given the number of startups and small businesses uh, especially now after covid the number of people who are working from home and are willing to hiring remote talent i think it's an amazing opportunity to tap into this and sort of network with the smaller businesses that may be looking for your work i see a lot of artists who want like these big client names and of course there's nothing wrong with that that's that's pretty cool as well but uh, it's also really nice to work on something that's small and beautiful get a deeper understanding of what someone wants to say and how well you're able to deliver that campaign uh, so working with a lot of startups is what uh, uh, i would advise what is what is one challenge that you have faced as an illustrator and that you have sort of overcome in these years that you'd like to talk about uh, sorry i think i'm i'm going back to the same thing which was about uh, honesty okay like i think there was a point where uh, i felt quite demotivated um, when i you know i think i had just joined i joined instagram quite late and i just joined instagram and you know the initial the initial thing it was such an attack where i looked at like oh my god there are so many people doing comics you know and where do i fit in and what is what, how does my uh, comic sort of contribute to the noise that's already out there right so i suddenly felt that maybe i don't need to create because there are other people who are creating and there are some there's similar messaging going on brilliant how did you overcome that yeah so i think over time i've realized comics helps me like i think it just helps me deal with life because i tend to feel quite overwhelmed very easily 
and I told myself that, you know, let's try going for a few months without creating anything. I'm not going to create any new comics and stuff. And let's see how that works out. And I think I felt really stifled because for me, it's an outlet. Uh, it's the way I process things. So it's not like I'm creating because I'm thinking of the reader and I'm thinking, you know, for two weeks, I haven't posted anything. People want to hear from me. That's that's never the thought. The thought is like, oh, I'm going through something and I need to like find a way to sort of find a healthy outlet for it, basically. So I think that sort of helped me find my footing. I said that, you know, ultimately I'm doing the comics uh, for me to help myself. And if somebody else benefits from it, then it's really something amazing. And I don't have to worry about... Uh, other people who are probably thinking the same thing as I am, you know, like, why am I doing this? And is it really worth it? And maybe their motivation is different. So it took a while, but I think that six month period, I was a bit like, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing? Is, is it worth it? Do people really want to see this? Yeah. But when I started removing the people, external people from my way of thinking, when I started saying, you know, I'm not doing this for somebody else. I'm doing this for myself. And this is a mission I'm sticking to. Sure. So, yeah, and I think it just becomes part of you, like you're brushing your teeth or something. Okay, that's brilliant. And so, so uh, after the the short stint of you know self worth issues that yeah. you may have gone through, you just bounced yeah. back and uh, started drawing without thinking of how this would do or how this would perform, etc. Is that how it worked? Yeah, I actually drew comics about this this process, like Lovely. all these questions of like self-worth and I was like, you Lovely. know, am I really good enough? But ultimately, I think if you're really doing what you love doing, you will do it anyway, whether somebody is like watching you or not watching you. And it went, I went back to my childhood where, you know, I was just drawing just for the fun of it. I wasn't drawing for my mom to tell me very good and I wasn't drawing it for somebody else to see it and appreciate, you know. I think that core sort of stays with you. Brilliant. So what does achievement mean to Ramya? I'm so happy you asked me this question because this is something I've been trying to define for the last few years. I think there are two parts to it. One is that the way I would, so I've always sort of grown up dreaming about doing something on a grand scale. Like the dream has always been sort of impossibly big. I've always sort of gone into something with I'm going to change the world. But uh, I think over time I've realized that even if you're able to make a difference to one person's life, it means the world. I, and especially from the messages and emails I receive, I think for me, it means so much to be able to make that impact. Apart from that, I think achievement in general now is really sort of understanding yourself and being able to look in the mirror and, you know, see that person with all your flaws and, you know, but, you know, just being able to look at that face and say that, you know, hey, you're not too bad. I think that is um, a sense of achievement, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you for the simplicity. Thank you for the comics. And thank you for being so honest and sharing your uh, thoughts, your experiences with us, Ramya. It was so lovely chatting with you. Thanks so much, Yashtika. It was so good to be here. I hope. But thanks so much for this opportunity. It was fantastic. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com 
or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on EP Log Media.